0: Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Books are Chic. I am so excited to have this author with me today as we are both New England based gals and her books showcase parts of Massachusetts that are so beautiful and I just love it so much. She is a best-selling author and her latest book Vacation Land, is out now and it is so good. I am so delighted to have Meg Mitchell-Moore with me today. Hi Meg. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you because I feel like I followed you for so long. And like I said, before we started, I'm like, I just love that you celebrate these places in New England that I feel like now a lot of people come (laughs) come here, Um, but that, you know, sometimes aren't normally, you know, the locations in in books. Although I feel like probably more now just because, I don't know, New England's having a moment, I feel.
1: (laughs) I guess. Oh yeah. And I know you and I have tried to connect in the past over other books. So it's great. We're
0: finally, we're finally doing it. Yes. Yes. And I loved the book and I feel like there were so many elements to the book. Um, And I'm so curious to just hear about your writing process and everything, but give us like a little background Meg of how you got here. This is your seventh novel. Seventh novel. Yep. So you have, a whole back catalog, a whole back list that people absolutely should should investigate. But tell us a little bit about you and and how you got into writing novels.
1: Sure, I have always been a writer my whole life, but I have not. I was not a fiction writer until, I mean, an official fiction writer until <laughs> my first novel came out, which was in. 2011 so now it's been 11 years so now this is what I do and I've been doing it for a while and I'm getting a lot more used to it but it was it's I still feel kind of new to me in a way I I wrote other kinds of writing for a long time I sort of danced around the fiction without getting down to it and I um, I went to school I got an English degree I got a graduate degree in English literature and I thought I would be a professor that was my I just thought that's what i thought that was my path and i did it a year i got my masters degree in english literature and i realized oh this isn't the kind of writing i want to do this academia didn't really seem like the right the right thing after all so then i went and needed a job so I got a job working for magazines <laughs> and I worked for a while I was a copy editor I was an editor and again I was sort of dancing around writing but not writing I was doing everything else and then I finally at that magazine which was actually out in Framingham not out your oh, way close to yeah. me <laughs> yeah, the, the CIO group of technology magazines um, which was a big thing uh, you know at that time right before the around the technology boom so there was plenty of work in that world and I did that for uh, for a few years and thought well I'm not still not really doing what I want to do and so I guess I'll become a freelance writer. So I, at that time, it was a really good job to be a freelance writer. It's a lot harder now, I think, to make a good living. But at that time, it was it was much easier and people paid well and there was a lot of work. So I did that for a few years. And again, still not really getting down to the fiction. And then eventually I, I said, well, if I'm going to write a novel, I really need to actually start writing novels and stop, not stop doing all the other stuff, but also start writing a novel. So I did that and um, eventually got one accepted and, published and more after that. And here I am, but it, it was not a quick, it was, I wasn't that person who said, I'm going to get an MFA and I'm going to publish a novel when I'm 25. And there it is. It, it took me a little while to get to it.
0: Did you know you, you have, yes, you are here. Um, <laughs> and you, you have three girls. So when you wrote your first novel, were you already in the throes of motherhood or where did that sort of align? Yeah. So when I, published my first, no- when I
1: sold my first novel, which was, I think, probably a year and a half before it was published, I had a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. <laughs> so that was 11 years ago. So now they're 19, 17, and 15. Um, so three teenage girls now. But yeah, at the time, and when I was writing it, you know, they were a little bit younger. I guess my my youngest had just recently been born. So I we had child care so that I could do the freelance writing. And I sort of decided, okay, I'm going to take a couple hours every day of the child care and do the fiction and work on that at the same time. So that's, a, that's how I eventually got to it. But I, tr- I, I tried to write fiction before that. I actually, I write so much about families and children and parents. And yeah, I think I had the subject matter before I had kids. So I think I, even though it's chaotic with children, I think I needed to have the family first to, to get down to what I was writing.
0: Yeah. Cause you were able to like live it, breathe it, relate to it. And I'm sure it added so many more elements to, to what you were writing when you write about family and these relationships, um, from freelance writing to novel writing, how did that like differ? Cause I'm sure outlining and doing a whole novel from just freelancing and you were doing technology writing, like, were you able to sort of take some of those little things that you utilized then to when you were going to sit down and write your first novel? Yes, in a way, I was. It's a different kind of writing, obviously, but I'm very
1: deadline oriented. So that helped a lot because mm. I've all had deadlines and things that have to be a thousand words or 1500 words. So I sort of divided all my writing and I still do. You know, I write in thousand word chunks or 1500 word chunks until I have a book. So I think I have, I had that. And I also was very used to being edited. And um, so I don't, I like working with editors and I like having feedback on my work and I don't, um, I don't take it too personally, usually, sometimes I do, but usually I don't (laughs) I think that'll help me. Uh, It's a different kind of writing, but I did have the degree in English literature going into it too. So I had the the literature background and then the writing experience in more practical writing. So I think
0: probably both those came, those both
1: probably came together for me. And you said you
0: write in thousand word chunks. So like, do you just get the idea and then are you like a big outline or sort of how is that process for you? Not
1: a big outliner. I wish I always wish that I could outline better, but I, I can't. I've tried it and it doesn't work. So, I sometimes I'll do a very vague outline. I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll talk with my editor about the basic idea of a book before I start or when I have just started. So, we'll have a general idea where it's going and who the characters are. But I don't outline as I go because I can't, it doesn't, I, it doesn't work for me. I wish, I wish it did. It seems like a really nice organized way to write, but I write, I'm a mess and I write. Um, <laughs> so that thousand words, that's normally what I try to write in a day when I'm working on a draft, a thousand to 1200 words, unless I'm really under pressure. And then I have to bump it up to, you know, 2000 words, but usually I say, okay, every day, every working day, I'll write. 1,000 or 1,200 words, and it doesn't always fit chronologically in the book. It doesn't always make sense. It might just be a point of view I know that I want to get into at some point, but I have it there. So that's sort of how I build. And that's what I always tell people who are trying to write a book is you don't write the whole book. You write a lot of little chunks until you have a book. So for right. me, it's a lot more manageable if I say, okay, if I write a 1,000 words five days a week and I do that for X number of weeks, I will have a draft. And I know that I can work with it after that.
0: I mean, you saying that you don't outline, I, I find that so fascinating because I feel like you tell these like family, like saga, you have a lot of like characters, relationships and stuff like that. So I'm, it's just so, it's always so interesting to me how people have their own little ways and, you know, you have like a lot going on, you know, in your plots and stuff. There's like these like really intense characters, the relationships and everything. So that's just so, int- I always am so fascinated by, by that. And yeah, um, how other writers work too, because I think everybody's different. Also, you should know that I'm heavily edited.
1: So <laughs> always talking about the plot and all that, a lot of that comes through in subsequent revisions. It's not usually there in the beginning. So when I have a draft and then I send it to my editor and she gives me feedback Maybe then I'll do an outline and I'll show it to my editor so we know what we're working with and then I can yeah. work with an outline, but I can't, out of the blue, write an outline and and stick to it.
0: Yeah, no. And there's literally not one. I mean, I've talked to, I don't even know how many authors at this point, point. Um, and there's not one single, and I've said this a bunch of times in different episodes, but nobody... I've never had two people say like the exact same answer, and then I'm like, you know, to be like, well, this is the why because there's it's so personable to to how it just works for you, and you just have to figure that out. And true, yeah, I think that's like the coolest thing. And then at the end, you just have this, you know, beautifully packaged up book. Um, but we were mentioning before that we're both in New England, and um, we're both in Massachusetts, and. That's like a huge part in your novels that you set them um in a lot of different New England towns and everything. And I'm just wondering why you ch- choose to stick to this area. And I think you've covered all, but maybe one I felt like I read. Was it or southern New Hampshire like popped up at one point? Right, parts of New Hampshire,
1: and I've never said anything in Connecticut because I'm not I'm not very Connecticut. So I've definitely hit Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont. Yeah, I've hit all the others, I think. Uh, I, I, there was one book in the set in California, and as we were talking before the show, we, my family lived for one year in California, so that did give me the inspiration to set one book out there and only one, and then I've returned. <laughs> back here, and I've um, stuck to, England ever, to New England ever since. I think because there's so many different kinds of places here for, for such a geographically small area, there are. Mm-hmm different um, landscapes and kinds of towns and cities and socioeconomic classes that you can explore. So I think I can't imagine running out of things to write about in New England. I just, I, there's, there's a lot here and I, it's so specific. I think if you're from another part of the country and you haven't visited it and then you come, you say, oh yeah, I see the history and the ocean and, you know, there's so many different elements to it.
0: Yeah, you're right. There are, you're right. There's like so much history. You can go from like mountains to, you know, coastline to a huge, you know, an inner city. And I think that that makes it, you know, the, as I get older um, and I wonder like, cause your girls have only been in Massachusetts except for the year that you moved, I'm guessing. Yeah. um, And I was saying to you that to this before, but as you get older and I'm not like this world traveler, but I've been, you know, now that I've gotten older, I've traveled to different places. Like I was saying to you before, there is just something about it. Um, and maybe like, it just goes with what you said that it just offers so much. Um, and I feel like people, I worked at a hotel for 10 years in Gloucester and, It was so fun. And I was a teenager then. And like I said to you before, I was like, this is the worst place. Like, I can't wait to move. I was like, I'm moving. And that's why I said the thing about California. I had that at one point. I was like, I'm moving to California. Um, But these people would come visit from all over and be, you know, saying that this was their favorite spot and they would traveled all over the world or they'd been to tons of tropical beaches, but you know, this one beach in Gloucester was like their absolute favorite. And I remember being like, Oh really? Like <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, but now have
1: amazing beaches. Those are some of the best around for sure. Gloucester. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does. But it's just, like you said, I think it does offer so much and it just, it provides such a beautiful setting to, to a novel. So right. I just love, I just love that about, um, Especially about Vacation Land, but okay, give us your elevator pitch on what Vacation Land is about. Sure, a Vacation
1: Land is set in a little hamlet called Alicehead, Maine. It's it's a real place, and the house that it is set in is an actual house belonging to the family of one of my best friends from forever. And it's a home that I've been visiting as a, as a guest for a long, long time. And I always wanted to set a book there, so I finally did it. And it's a beautiful older home on on this uh, beautiful cup I don't know how much land a few acres of land but rocks leading right to the ocean to Penobscot mm. Bay and so it's a gorgeous setting and there's ships going by all day and boats and ferries and all sorts of things and you can see across the harbor to Rockland Maine so it's just a beautiful it's, it's a really wonderful setting and so I just took this house and I put a family completely unrelated to the family that lives there in this house and I had a few different issues I wanted to explore and I set them up and here they are so we have um we have a fit we have the the matriarch and patriarch who own the home and that's Annie and Martin Fitzgerald and Martin is a, a former state Supreme Court justice in Maine and he is suffering from Alzheimer's. So he's losing a lot of his, his history and his memories. He has a wife, Annie and she is his caretaker and protector and um, the protector of the house is actually her family home that, that they live in at their summer home and their daughter Louisa comes to visit for the summer with her three children. And she comes from Brooklyn. She lives in Brooklyn and she's a history professor and her husband has stayed behind for the summer to work on his, his podcast startup. So they have that separation and she has the problems of her sick father and caring for her children and trying to do her own work and um, all that sort of happening over the summer. And then we have the stranger who comes to town with a young woman named Christy who has a connection to the family that we don't know in the beginning and sort of discover as the book goes on.
0: Yes. So there, I feel like it is like a sweeping, dramatic family novel, but you have little elements of mystery and sort of figuring out the connections between everybody, which I loved because Christy, you were like, I was totally caught off guard to where that was going. Um, and I loved her whole story. Um, but where did the idea come from this? Aside, did you base it off of this house and then it took over from there? Or did you know that you wanted to explore, like, for instance, Alzheimer's or, you know? Sometimes it's hard for me to remember after the fact. And with this book, it's hard to <laughs> I definitely started with a house
1: and I definitely started with Louisa coming for the summer. So I knew it was somebody coming with her kids because I wanted that element of the three generations in one home. But I don't remember exactly now where everything else came from. Actually, actually, when I really go back and this is the story I tell about this book and it's kind of long, so I won't tell the whole story, but this is what it was. I wanted to write a thriller. That's what it was. I wanted to write a thriller. So I had this house and I wanted there to be a body on the rocks outside that these kids discover. And then these stories all came together. So, so I actually did think that through. I didn't really outline, but I kind of thought about it and I had a detective character and the whole deal. And I I sent it to my agent. This is before my editor had accepted, had said I had bought the book basically. And um, my agent said, oh, it sounds great. I'll show it to your editor. And she, she, um, she didn't want a thriller. <laughs> so oh. she showed a- everything about it but I don't want the dead body and I don't like the detective and I want you know I I want to know more about the family so that was actually the root of it is something that is no longer in the book and and if you've read the book you know that there is the body of a dead seal that washes up on the rocks Like I I kept trying to keep this dead body in there so I would write it different ways and the dead body became less important to the story and then um, sort of became tangentially related and tied up in the end. And everybody kept saying the body doesn't make sense. Take out the body. So it became a seal because I wanted to have the children react to something on the rock. So I had, I wanted to, yes. Anyway. So this book did start in a funny way where it became something it wasn't, but I always had the family. And I think I always had, I think the mystery with the body was tied up in this relationship between Christy and the family from the beginning. I knew that there was that, that sort of element to it.
0: That's so interesting. Do you think, I mean, I'm going to switch gears for one sec just because you shared this little thing, but do you think you would ever do a thriller?
1: I would love to because I really admire really well done thrillers. I don't know if I have it. I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I think it's like the, the ones I really love and what what the reason I wanted to do it was I love Lisa Jewell and I love Same. Tana French or Tana French. I'm not even sure how to say her name, but she lives in Ireland and writes these phenomenal detective novels, but they're so character driven. And they have an amazing plot. And Lisa the same thing. She's got the plot, but she's her characters are so good. So those are the books I admire. So I would love to do that, but I um I don't have an idea. I don't know. Someday, maybe someday. Someday.
0: I mean, you, know, you the have the character thing. piece for sure. But that might, but you need the plot too. So you I need don't the know the plot. We'll see. I, lo- I love I love though the journey that this took. And then the seal. The okay. seal was the one that ended up. I had um, some kind of body there.
1: Like- <laughs> I kept subsequent drafts. The body would get less and less important, but was always there.
0: And every single person who read it said the body doesn't make sense. So, Oh, my gosh. Well, back to the family and these relationships and these characters, what sort of like where do you source inspiration from? Do you just do everyday life? Like, are you I know a lot sometimes authors will be like, I'm just fascinated by people and relationships. Like, I just feel like in a lot of your books, that's like such a huge tether to to the plot. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't usually set it based on people
1: I know or situations I know, but I am always interested in, in situations, you know, I like to talk about just people and what's going on with their lives. And I drive my girls crazy sometimes because I do want to know about, you know, their friends and who's doing this and that, and they're kind of like, that's too many questions, but I'm so interested (laughs) in it. I'm so interested in all, I'm interested in what makes people tick. I'm really interested in people's relationship to money. I find that sort of endlessly fascinating. So that is an element of this book. And I wanted it to be uh, something about different levels of wealth or lack of wealth, lack of privilege and what that means to people. So there's definitely some of that with Christy and the family and then the parents having, you know, even a different level. So I, that's always interesting to me. Socioeconomic things are really interesting to me. So
0: they all, they all combine in some, magical sort of way I guess yeah I can't imagine living with three teenage girls like and what those conversations wow. there's, never a dull there's never a dull
1: moment I mean I, I will say I always used to think when I had little girls I thought oh it's going to be so hard when I have three teenagers I can't even imagine it but they're so great and interesting and funny and I love their friends and I I do like this I do like observing the social dynamics of teenagers and they're living in such a strange world so it's actually less I mean it's exhausting but it's less scary (laughs) I thought it would be and it's more interesting I think
0: okay well that's because you have two girls or no I have a boy and a girl and the girl's older I mean not she's eight I mean, she's eight going on like 15, but still (laughs) I'm always like, oh gosh. And it's just so funny, like her being eight and like her fascination with teenagers and teen life. And I'm like, oh my God, like you, you, you know, don't rush to get there. Like, no, but you know, like you said, this is not the way that I grew up, you know, as a teenager, there was no social media. There was none of this. There was none of it. So It's just an interesting time to be a kid. And I feel like it just keeps getting (laughs) weirder. (laughs) It really does. And so to watch the resilience
1: of these kids as they go through everything they've been through, it's really frightening in a lot of ways too.
0: Yeah, no, totally. So, okay, back to the house though. Were you able to go to the house while you were writing this novel to, to be like fully immersed?
1: Yes, I was. It is, it's one of my favorite places to go anyway. And it's, um, the the friend whose family owns it she's one of my best friends and she has been ever since was it since COVID actually since her mother passed away um just before COVID so my friend has been sort of the caretaker of the house in a a way and um they have a lot of family in and out and guests and it's a complicated you know place to manage in the summer so she's been doing that sort of um for those for those last couple summers so she's been there more she didn't Mm -hmm. used to when she was in New York she wasn't always there so now that she's there every summer and it's only what two and two hours and 20 minutes for me it's not too far so yes I did go a, a lot especially that that first COVID summer that was the only place I could get away to to write because you know house yeah the house was busy and nobody went to summer camp and you know life wasn't normal so I would go there to work on the draft then and then just to you know, research things about the area. If I was missing things and I I just go whenever I get the chance because I really like it there.
0: (laughs) I mean, it is so like you describe it so well and and it is its own character in the book, which, you know, you were saying you wanted to sort you know, sort of center the story around this house, but you can feel it. And then you had posted on social media, a picture of the house. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is exactly you know what I thought it would be. I mean, it, it looks so yeah, that's funny. Some people said it was nothing what they
1: expected, and some people said it was exactly what they expected. So it's funny to to see people's reactions and what they're picturing. You know. So, um, yes, yeah, so I have to. I have more pictures. I'm going to post. I think about the area throughout the summer,
0: so I haven't done all of it. But it's a great, it's a beautiful place. So I want to do. Yeah, it looks so. It looks so beautiful. I don't think I've ever been to that. That part of Maine. I've been to a few different spots, but again, like Maine has so much to offer too. Like you can go from uh, rocky coast to, Yep. Yeah, it's true. You can go a lot of different places, and,
1: and you can go lakes and mountains and coast. Yeah, yeah. There's-
0: yeah. So, are are you wor- are you working on anything now?
1: I am. I'm almost. Well, I'm on my f- hopefully final draft of the book that will come out next summer, which goes back to Black Island, which is where my 2019 novel, The Islanders, took place on Black yeah. Island, which for people who don't know off the coast of Rhode Island. And so I am returning there and not with the, the, some of the characters from that book pop in and are tangentially part of the story, but it's not about the same people. It's a whole different, it's a whole different story. There's characters from other books who pop in too, and it is um, centered around a a summer production of a Shakespeare play uh, in a theater on Black Island and um, all the different people who come to to work on the play and the locals who were there and uh, all those relationships.
0: Okay. I don't think, I don't think I've ever been to Block Island. How did oh, I Oh, you have be Block Island. It's Maybe. so great. Yeah, it's
1: really, I hadn't been until, I was actually looking for a place to set a new book when I wrote The Islanders. And I had always seen people's pictures of Block Island. And I thought, well, how come I've never been to Block Island? It's not hard to get to. I mean, from, from Wayland, I don't, I can't picture what the drive would be. But for me, from Newburyport, it's about two hours and 15 minutes to the ferry and then a half hour ferry. Yeah. You can do it in a day. I mean, you can do a long day trip or you can stay for night. It's, it's a
0: really, really fun place to get away to. So you should put it on your summer list. It's really okay. worth it. Okay. I'm going to put it on my list. We just, we went to Rhode Island in the fall or like at the end of last summer. Um, And again, like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, cause I've been to these places when I was little and then I was like going and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, so there's so much here. Same thing. Like you can go from like Newport to, whatever it's just Rhode like, Island? So much oh, I went to college in Rhode Island I went to Providence College
1: so I knew that part of it but there is there's still beautiful coastal towns I I don't know very well and for a tiny state Rhode Island has a lot to offer it's really really beautiful
0: yeah yeah no we went to like one of the coastal towns and I was like oh my gosh this is like mm-hmm. so great um and I have to get I haven't when I was logging in, I was thinking, oh, my God, I haven't been to Newburyport in forever either. Oh, you got to come up. I, yeah. like, oh, I know. Because are you guys like, I'm trying to think if it's like similar to to Gloucester in the sense, like, do you guys get super busy when summer hits? Yeah, very busy. Yep, yeah, I think okay. it's really, it's a lot of day trippers,
1: probably similar to
0: Gloucester. Day too. trippers. Both, yeah. Both
1: voters, not a lot of, I mean, some people stay, I guess, for, you know, a week or something, but um, it's more, I think, a day destination when people are exploring New England but we get same, same with Gloucester. We get a lot of people with boats just, you know, coming in for the, for the yeah. Boat. So yeah, it gets and very busy in the summer. What's your like big beach called? Plum Island is the, Plum Island. is the, that's half, it, half Newbury, half Newbury port. So that's the, I don't think it's not my favorite beach around, but that's the one most closely associated with the town, but we're not far from Salisbury beach and we're not far from the New Hampshire beaches. So the whole seacoast area, Janice beach and Rye, all those areas nice. are. yeah. Only away.
0: What's so, your favorite? I'm curious. I love Jen- yeah, I love it. It's just, okay. yeah, love it. Okay, that's where I'll, I don't think I've been there. So oh, I'm yeah. always looking for like a fun yeah. New, yeah, beach, new England beach. Yep, yep, it's great. Okay, we are here for Meg's cheek list. Okay, I'm curious to see what you have to say here. Um, Okay, what three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead would you want to have a book club with?
1: Okay, I thought a lot about this one, and I'm going to change my mind after. But what
0: I came up with for today: (laughs) Michelle
1: Obama, which I'm sure many other people say, Lord, and Kate Middleton.
0: (laughs) I think that. Oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I feel like we've never ever gotten like we know Michelle will share book picks, but I don't think we've ever gotten like a Kate middle like she doesn't Uh share. Yeah. So private, I'd love to know. I'd love to. Yes, know. I love that. Yep. Okay. That's a good one. Um, current binge series. So we're finishing up um Stranger Things. Not mm-hmm. finishing. We're on
1: uh we still have the two long ones at the end to go, but we're just um finishing up that last season. Are you
0: a Stranger Things person? I am, and so we are on episode five of the first part because these episodes are so long. <laughs> And then I think the last two episodes are like two hours. They are, they're like full movies. I know. I don't know when I'm going to watch those because I only
1: have like an hour before I'm tired at night.
0: Same. <laughs> so, oh, well, that's what keeps happening. I'm like dozing off and then you can't miss anything. But we are at this season. I it's I'm not like a sci-fi person so I know when this started I was like I'll try it but everybody was I was like feeling FOMO I was like everybody's watching this but the writing and just the idea of the whole thing is so good so good and and I'm the same way I don't I don't really seek out sci-fi at all my kids got into it
1: first when it was brand new, and they were so excited about it, and then so I think we all watched some of it together, and then I really—it's those kid characters, it's those teenage, it's those kids turning into teenagers that those are the kind of stories that just get you, get me, you know. So um, yes, I, I almost don't really care that much about the sci-fi or like what's happening. I, I care, but I don't really care because I care so much about these kids that's so much where my interest is I I think it's great so I'm watching that we're watching that and then I just I just did one episode and I'm going to continue with the summer I turned pretty because speaking of teenagers I um I love YA I really do I read a lot of YA I hadn't read that book but I just read it in advance of the series and I loved it so much so now I want to watch that my girls have already watched it they went ahead without me but um they all loved that book. That's, they all have different tastes, but that's one series that they all loved at, at Edison. And maybe 13, 14, and they loved it. And when your daughter's older, maybe she'll love it too. And I just thought it was phenomenal. So I'm going to watch that and continue that. And then the last amazing series I watched was 1883, which is just a oh. phone eight, eight episode, I think. Um, Taylor Sheridan series. That's a prequel to Yellowstone. Yes. And I loved 1883. It's phenomenal. So I highly recommend that to anyone who hasn't seen it.
0: Okay, I, ha- I watched all of Yellowstone, which I loved. And then oh, everybody I was like, okay. And then everyone that watched 1883 was like, oh my God, it's so, so good. So I have that on my list, but you should watch Yellowstone because- no, my husband watched that without me,
1: but he'll watch again. He loved it so much, but mm-hmm. I just felt overwhelmed to start it by myself. So I need to watch that. But 1883 was just, so it's a show I think about I think about it all the time. It's so
0: well done. I love it. Okay. I, w- I really want to watch that. And I do actually, I'm a big YA person too. And I love, I just read one that was so good um, called The Agathas. Oh, I've heard of that. I haven't read it. Was that good? It was oh, really, okay. really good. That's like cool. I, one of the best YEs that I've read. But um, I want to read that series. The summer I turned pretty. So yeah, it's great. she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she really. Okay, perfect. Um, let's see. Last favorite book and current read.
1: My current uh, read is The Hotel Nantucket by Ellen Hildebrand. Have you read it yet?
0: Yes if you worked at a hotel in Gloucester, you must relate. Well, I, I was so lucky to chat with her. She was on the podcast and I, all I did was talk about hotel life. I'm like, I love hotels. I will have to go back and listen to that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love it. Of course. I mean, she's phenomenal and I don't know how she keeps getting better and better every time, but she, um, she is getting better every time. And so that's my current read. I'm always, I always have an audio book and a book, and my current audiobook is Nora Goes Off Script. Have you read that? Yep, it's, read it. It was uh, so good. It's really fun. So that's great. And then last favorite book. Oh, that's a good, I didn't even answer that one. What was my last favorite book? It's always what I'm reading. Like right now it's the Ellen book. You know, I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit more. But
0: those are my two current reads. Those are two, those are two great reads. Um, describe your writing space.
1: My writing space is an office on the second floor of our house, which is very small. And... Um, it has a glass door and then these sort of like glass windows looking out into the hallway. So it's not private at all. (laughs) So anybody (laughs) walking by can see that I'm in there. So I keep my back to these glass windows and I have a noise machine running at all times when I'm in there at all times. I can't, I almost can't concentrate without the noise machine. Now I'm so used to it just to drown out, you know, family noise. I don't usually work when my family's running around the halls, but, um, I just have to have the noise machine anyway. So it's small. I have a desk and a window and some couple of bookcases. And I have all, that's where I do all the mail and bills for the family. So there's always stacks of things I haven't gotten to or catalogs I need to recycle. So it's not this pristine. a dream, what I dream of is a giant table, like a giant empty table, really yes. long, set out stacks of notes and index cards. But this is not that. So maybe someday, maybe someday. someday.
0: You're a Renaissance woman, Meg. You have many, you're wearing many hats. So your desk <laughs> yes, is full. True. Um <laughs> Name something chic. Okay. So I thought a
1: lot about that because I don't think I'm a chic person. And then what I came up with is for me, it's a really good blowout. Like if I get my yes. hat out, I, it can, can last for five to six days because Sad. I just, I just love it so much. So for me, that is the most chic thing.
0: Like that's, that's when I feel my best and my chicest is if I have my hair blown out. A great blowout. I love that. I know a good blowout that could like, and then when you have it and you know, you don't have to wash or style, your hair for multiple days is the best yeah. feeling ever. It's so nice. Oh, so nice. Um, do you have a favorite book that you gift?
1: I don't have one. It would depend on the circumstances and the person. So I guess the one that I probably would give the, have gifted the most would be the Year of Magical Thinking to a Grieving Person, That the Joan Didion book, which is phenomenal. But I don't have one that I always give to people. Even children's books. I started to think about that because I love to give children's books. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that, I usually tailor more specifically to the person. I to think. the person.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's a fair answer. Um, if you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why?
1: That's a hard one. So (laughs) uh, what do people say for that? I'm so curious. I need to go back and listen to all these episodes. There,
0: People, I don't know. I've gotten so many answers across the board. Now the, 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 the why for this question is I, for like a short period after I got a yoga certification, I opened a Lululemon store and uh-huh. they have this way of like, they have a culture and there's a lot of like team building exercises when you're like opening a store, they have like corporate comments, like this whole like immersed day thing. And we were standing in a circle and they were like firing off questions and that was one of the questions. Uh-huh. But like, I didn't even, I was like, ah! And so you had to answer the question. But then after, I thought about it on the way home and I was like, that is such an interesting question because I think it's something that either you could have one song that just like encompasses you, or the song could change as your life goes on and things happen to you. And um, so people have. Song? So mine, and this is funny because we just talked, I just talked about this with Annabelle, who wrote Nora Goes oh, Off yeah, yeah. She was on too. And we talked about this question. And my answer was, um, I was a huge Madonna fan. I still am a huge Madonna fan growing up. It was like a huge part of my childhood Mm -hmm. and the song get into the groove. There is one line that says, um, only when I'm dancing, can I feel this free? And for me, even now in life, like it's almost like when you're being creative or when you're being your true self, like that's when you're free and not feeling, you know, just right. like the confines of what am I supposed to be or what am I supposed to doing? So that was my, that was my choice. And I still, I still stand by it. Although there's other ones that have floated in and out of my life, re- you know, that I'm like, oh, that would be a good one too. It
1: is. I I ended up picking Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. <sighs> I picked that because I'm, first of all, from a literal sense, I'm a runner. So I thought appropriate there. And then (laughs) there's something about the nostalgia of that song. Uh, There's something about small towns. And I know it's, he grew up in New Jersey, but it reminds me a lot of some small towns in Maine and a place where I used to live. And um, there's something about that tug of nostalgia that is so strong for me. And I think that shows up in a lot of my writing. So I think that book of somebody looking back on on um, their past is also uh, that song of somebody looking back on their past is is just really evocative for me. So that's what I. Yes,
0: I love that one. And Bruce is so. I mean, he is so good at like paying homage to New Jersey. And so I feel like you said, I'm like as I'm getting older too. Just like nostalgia is like a constant thing in in my head that I'm, you know, oh. you just think about all the time. But he he's so good at. Just making you think of things like that, and I love that. That's a that's a great choice. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um. Okay, must-have beauty item.
1: My must-have beauty item is I don't have a lot of makeup. I'm not a big makeup person. I don't know that much about it. My daughters know so much more than I do. I was gonna
0: say your girls must be like mom. <laughs> one
1: of them isn't a big makeup person. Two of them are very good at it, so they'll give me a little wow. tips, you know. But um, but there's the my favorite thing is just this mascara, which is from Thrive Cosmetics um do you know that line it's um yes it's it's, the
0: lash extension the liquid lash
1: extension mascara yeah and that's the one thing I feel like I won't buy another brand again most things I don't really care about brands or whatever lipstick sometimes but um I don't care that much but this I feel like oh there's no other mascara I would buy this is the one it's
0: it's really good it's a game changer yeah it is (laughs) if you could name one lipstick after a book what would you call it and what shade would it be
1: Uh, And that's one, not my book, just any book, right? Any book, or you can be one of yours or any. Uh, I think The Great Gatsby would be a good lipstick if it isn't already one. And I think a bright, bright, bright red, like a Taylor Swift, you know. I love
0: that. Mm -hmm. I love The Great Gatsby too. See, that should be a lipstick. Okay, and last best advice you've ever received. So that's a great, I love these
1: questions. They're so good, they really make me think. I think it would be, at one time I, um. I listened to Sue a long time before I had published a novel that I was trying to work on one. I, I saw, I heard Sue Miller talk at a, at a Grub Street event in Boston, and she was just talking about her process. And I remember my kids were very young. I mean, it must have been like a one-year-old, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And I remember I thought, how does anybody ever get from where I am to where Sue Miller is? And I didn't understand it. And I asked her some question about shutting out outside noise or how does she do it or something? And I just remember that she thought about it. And then she said, you know, life is long. You don't have to do it all right now. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such good advice. Because I sort of, I remember feeling that panic, like, how am I going to get this done? How am I going to get this done? I have all these kids and what am i going to do. And, um, and it was so calming, you know, from yeah. somebody who had there and she was just like, it's okay. You have a long
0: time. And I really think about that a lot. Wow. That is really good. Only because I feel like we always hear life is short. Life is short. So then right. you have this panic and anxiety where you're like, I if I don't do it now, or that true. other saying, if not now, then when? It's true. <laughs> and
1: life isn't long for everybody. That's for sure. So right. who knows? But, um, but it just made me think, okay, I'm going to take a like, breath and, Yeah, you know, calm down a little bit. And it was just very encouraging. Yes. I love that.
0: Well, I love this book and I think it's the perfect like beach throw in a beach bag book and I think you will like be transported felt like you went on vacation just loved it all um and I'm excited for for next year's book so you'll have to keep us posted on that where can people follow you on Instagram so Instagram I'm Meg Mitchell Moore I think right
1: um and Facebook I'm the same it's really only those I'm on Twitter but I'm not very I'm not I don't use Twitter very often so Instagram is the best place to find me Meg Mitchell Moore, and I love getting messages and responding to them and I'm going to post much more over the summer with different locations I have a lot of photos from
0: the town and um, the surrounding area of the where the book takes place so yeah um, that's all summer. Yeah, no, that's so fun. People should follow you. And then when they read, they'll they'll be able to see. But this has been so fun. I'm so happy we got to connect. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And make sure um, when you come to the report, let me know. We'll go out that. Yes. Help yes, absolutely. And everybody can get all of Meg's books. Um, Vacation Land is the latest, like we said. That's out now. And go follow her on Instagram. And thank you so much, Meg. Thank you. All right. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in.